Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined on this Thursday by my buddy Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Excited about this episode we got for our listeners today. Yes, so I I texted you this morning, and I was trying to think about what we were going to do for a Thursday episode. Obviously, we are recording the mailbag today as well. So the mailbag, if you've listened to this, the mailbag's closed. Whatever comes in, I will add it to the next mailbag. Uh, But we were getting to a situation where we're like, okay, what do we talk about today? We want to stop being redundant with all this stuff of just throwing out names from the transfer portal. So we decided to to get our good friend Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, who – uh, I know you and I have a lot of ton of respect for Kyle, a guy that we know well. And when things are normal, we spend a lot of time talking to him at UK events. So Kyle's going to come on and just give us the inside, the pulse inside the program of UK basketball. I know you're going to touch on a football topic as well. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle does a great job for, for my money. Um, probably nobody better on the Kentucky basketball beat. Very good sources there. And yeah, like, like you said, I, even though it doesn't really cover the day-to-day football grind anymore like he maybe used to for the Courier-Journal or SEC Country, he still has very good relationships with the football staff. So I wanted to get his opinion uh, or what maybe what he was hearing in terms of kind of what the staff thinks about this season. So we'll get that. Uh, and then a, just a lot of basketball talk. A lot of the things we've touched on here, uh, but get another voice, someone else who has obviously a different perspective, Um Full transparency, I mean, in my opinion, he clearly knows way more than I do about what's going on over there. So I think it'll be really good for our listeners to to hear another voice talk about these things. Yeah, Kyle's one of the best, Derek, and there's this is an off season that's unlike any other that I think that we've covered or that we've even followed in Kentucky basketball. So you want to get somebody on here who kind of dives into things just maybe a little deeper than we do or a lot deeper. Uh, as many people that Kyle talks to, on that side, I know you and I hear things, and you know Kyle hears things, but uh thought it'd be good to get Kyle on here just to talk about where Kentucky's going in the transfer portal. I don't know if anyone really knows right now. Ty Ty Washington picks up an offer this week, uh, which is kind of out of nowhere because we've all been under the assumption that they were going to fill this roster via the portal, but they still have their eyes on a on a high school kid who is kind of flown under the radar to the point that he might end up being one of the best players in the country when it's all said and done. So all this stuff that we've been talking about with there's not that game-changing elite five-star guy in the high school route, you have to go portal. And then here comes Ty Ty Washington, and everybody kind of expects him to be a five-star possibly when this is all said and done. And if Kentucky gets him, then they did exactly what I said that they weren't going to do. Which was possibly landed elite high school guard. I, I thought it was going to be portal, but it, it looks like it might move the other direction. It seems like it seems like there's some momentum growing too with Washington's recruitment. It, it seems like, uh, and you'll hear this from from Kyle when we talk to him, but Cal has really taken the lead in that recruitment. So if Kentucky does, you know, if, if they're not able to land Ty Ty, it will not be for lack of pursuing hard. Because you've got, you know, John Calipari on the chase, trying to lend this kid, get him in there. Um, like we mentioned, top five coming for him this weekend. Uh, I don't I don't, I don't, don't know what day that will be, uh, but we will be sure to mention that whenever it does happen. But, yeah, looking forward to this interview. Um, in terms of other things, Sean, real quick before we roll into to Kyle's interview, in terms of football, just in general this morning, Brad White met with the media, talked a little bit about, 
his defense and what he wants to see. Execution's a big thing. And again, I get back to this. I've, I've said it several times on here now. It's just really hard to have a feel for for kind of where the football program is because we've not been over there. We've not really seen it. We've been so limited in who we talk to to get perspectives from. But overall, it sounds like White is pretty happy with what he's gotten from that defense. He's talking about execution for this Saturday scrimmage. He wants to get better tackling, which makes sense. The guys probably haven't tackled too much this spring. So besides that, there was not really a whole lot going on at football. But we'll get one more interview. Um the media will, not not for Kentucky Daily, but Mark Stoops on Saturday will talk, and that, that will pretty much close out spring ball, Sean. And then at that point, we'll move on to kind of our off-season position previews, schedule previews, things like that. But uh, look out for that on Saturday, though, if you're a Kentucky fan. Mark Stoops will talk one last time. He might have some good things to say. We'll have to see. Yeah, this is going to be a huge weekend for Kentucky football on the recruiting trail. And then obviously, as you just said now, wrapping up spring practice. So Mark Stoops could wrap up spring practice on Saturday and have three monster commitments in one weekend. That's a big weekend for Kentucky football. It's going to be a huge weekend for this podcast. We have some big things planned. You're probably going to hear Kentucky Daily. If something doesn't change, Eric, there's a chance that our listeners could get up to 12 straight days of Kentucky Daily. We'd love to see it. If things go right this weekend, I know we have a plan here. You could get something from us on Saturday, uh, multiple episodes possibly tomorrow, and then I'm going to do a weekly rundown too, uh, so you'll probably get something on Sunday. I do want to add before we before we move into this interview with Kyle, the Kentucky volleyball team does play tonight. They are in action. They start the NCAA tournament there with a chance to pursue a national championship. I think that's on ESPN3. I think they play at 7 o'clock. So if you want to watch that, I wanted to make sure I got that information out there. As always, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, two locations, one in Pineville, one in Winsburg. Third location coming to London, Kentucky here very soon. May 1st, I think, is the grand opening date there. Uh, if you want to submit questions for the Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag, I think that will be closing very soon. So if you're listening to that right now, send something in. If you get it in before we start recording, I'll add it. If not, I will get it to the next mailbag. Uh, not sure, Derek, we might end up doing a midweek mailbag going into the next week or something along those lines if we get a lot. But let's go ahead and jump into that interview with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now joining us on Kentucky Daily is Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Kyle, how are you? What's up, guys? Been done this in a while. Maybe we can all get in one big room and and record soon. That'd be cool. Go to an actual sporting event with people. I hope so. It's good to have you on here. Good to see you uh, virtually. Anyway, this this... – I love what you've done with the floral prints there behind you. Well, I give all the credit to my fiance, <laughs> soon to be wife, uh, for that. It is a good backdrop for Zoom. But uh, most of this episode, actually every every question besides this one, will have to do with uh, basketball. But you maybe don't cover the day to day football grind like you used to back in the day. But I know you still have a lot of good contacts over at the football facility. So 
for the football listeners, just wondering if you have any kind of general vibe as to or just kind of the pulse as to what maybe the staff is expecting for the football program this year, how, how good of a season it might be, things like that. You're not going to believe this, but it probably comes down to the quarterback, <laughs> which is like just cut and paste for what the last, you know, the entire run of, of Stoops's success that he's had or not success has really come down to the quarterback. And it's like, it's really unbelievable to me as well as they've done, as well as they've recruited as all the talent they've gotten really everywhere. I mean, they've had like a star player in every position group, right? You've had star running backs, you know, wide receivers, like not as much, but Lynn Bowden qualifies as a star, obviously a bunch of pass rushing guys, you know, you're going to have a first round corner this year. You had Mike Edwards. He's got a super bowl. I mean, all across the board, offensive line everywhere. They've had like really elite players and cannot get a quarterback to work out. Um, and so, I mean, that's been the, that, that's really been the story, right? They're, they're upgraded everywhere. Every, in every single way. This is probably like just, I mean, you and I have like texted and talked about this on paper. And I, I think like a combination of on paper, cause there's some guys we don't know totally about, but also with our eyeballs, probably the most like top to bottom talent stacked Kentucky football team of any, you know, of any of our lifetimes. Um, but what, you know, what's going to happen at quarterback? And and I don't think their starting quarterback is on the roster. I mean, is, is you know, in camp right now, in spring spring practice. Uh, from what I gather, talking to folks over there, it would be, if there was a game tomorrow, it would be Joey Gatewood. But I don't think, I don't know how much confidence there is that he, that if there was a game tomorrow that and he was the quarterback, that he would win the game. Um <laughs> And then, so then it's, you know, it's obviously Will Levis, right, Um, coming from Penn State. And, I mean, he's really intriguing to me. He's, like, a a terrific athlete Um, in terms of efficiency, like the little amount that he played. He was really good at times for Penn State at a high level in a good conference. I think they believe he's the guy. But he freaking better be (laughs) because, like, and I'm not going to – I'm not going to put my, like – name and reputation or any amount of money on it that he will be because what evidence do we have that Kentucky is going to have a star quarterback? So that that's a lot of words, but I mean, it, it's comes down to the quarterback. I mean, I think they're really, really good. If, 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 if they have a quarterback who's like in, in the top half of the sec, like above average or at average, then I think they're going to have a really great year. I agree with all that, Kyle. Now, transitioning to the basketball side, obviously everything starts with John Calipari. And I know you were one at after the SEC tournament was trying to get him to maybe bite on some things about the off season, and he he didn't. Then he spoke on his radio show, and he to me he said all the right things that night that Kentucky fans wanted to hear. And then you heard from him on Final Four weekend, you know, pretty much sending out that people enjoyed. What happened to Kentucky? It's going to be different. Kind of that message. Nine and sixteen. You know that's on his mind every single day. How motivated do you think this version of John Calipari is into this off season? And it kind of sends this program one direction or the other at this point. I think, yeah, I think very motivated. Um, I, you know, whether he'll ever admit it or not, I think it's just a fact that Cal 
probably took his hands off the wheel a little bit. I mean, I don't know how you don't when you are in the Hall of Fame, when you had the – I mean, think about the run that he had at Kentucky, and people will will complain about not more championships, and I get that. He should have had another one or two, but we know we know the, how the NCAA tournament works. Um, but that run from, from the first six years at Kentucky was total dominance. Um I mean, it was crazy. They had they had three years where they could have gone undefeated. I mean, his first year, they were very close to being an undefeated team. 2012, I think if they don't lose on the Watford shot, they go undefeated. Um, and obviously 2015, they had a chance to go. They had three years out of the first six where he could have gone undefeated. And then none of those three beyond those three years, they went to another final four and another national championship game. They were not in the years where they could have almost gone undefeated. And he gets into the hall of fame at the end of that stretch. And like, he gets a lifetime contract, you know, in 2017, he's one shot from getting back to the final four in 2019. He's one shot from getting back to the final four. So even as a few things might have started to slip, I think he could have easily convinced himself, like, yeah, but we're right there. You know, like, we're right there. One shot, and we're back in the Final Four. What's everybody talking about? And he has, like, total belief in himself. And so I think he sort of I, – I do think he went on a little bit of autopilot. And I think he took a step back from being really involved in, A, the actual recruitment of players, and, and B, the evaluation of those players. I think they took some guys that they never should have taken. I mean, you could quibble with some things, but like there is no arguing that taking Cam Fletcher was was absolutely stupid. <laughs> I mean, it was a terrible decision. Um that probably contributed to running off Johnny Juzan. Because like okay, Clark and Fletcher, but I mean Clark and and Boston. I think you could quibble with taking Clark because there was plenty of talk about Clark's for what for whatever athlete he is, the attitude that was not a new revelation. But even then, do you, do you pass on a top ten guy? Probably not. But why did you take Cam Fletcher? Like if you and if you're Johnny Juzang, why would you stay um, at that point? Even as Cal is saying, you're going to have a bigger role. Like dude, you just recruited three wings. Like why did you take Cam Fletcher? Um. So anyway, I I, I think Cal took his hands off the wheel a little bit. And I think his hands are back on the wheel. <laughs> I think his hands have been back on the wheel because he was like gripping it white knuckles all season, trying to like steer out of the ditch and that didn't work. Um, but, you know, like the story I wrote today, Ty Ty Washington, I'm talking to him yesterday and like he has to hang up the phone because Cal is calling for like the third day in a row. Not one of the assistants, like, and I've heard this from a bunch of people, like, Calipari is like leading up these recruitments. The assistants are bringing these players to him and he is like getting all in. He wants to get this done. He want he doesn't want to ever <laughs> deal with what he just dealt with again. Uh, and so, yeah, I think he's super motivated. I think he's, he probably, I don't, we're going to, we're going to find out stylistically if he's really learned the lesson or if he's willing to apply the lesson. I'm not sure I buy that yet. Like in style of play, but I think he he learned some other lessons that he will not soon forget and, and be a little more, I think, dialed in. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about your uh, getting put on hold or whatever so John Calipari could talk to uh, Ty Washington. Speaking of him, if I guess one, how do you see UK kind of stacking up in that recruitment? Washington says he's going to have a top five this weekend. Two, if he were to come to Kentucky, I guess potential ripple effects, or how do you see him kind of fitting in with, with what they with what we know that they already have next season? Yeah, one – while everybody's been looking at the transfer portal, and I do think like a guy like Marcus Carr, you you take either or, no you know, no regrets. But I really like Ty Ty Washington for Kentucky, like what they want to do, the kind of player Cal wants, even just the possibility, maybe not likely because he feels like his stock is just skyrocketing, but at least the possibility you have more than one year with him versus one of the you know the the transfer rental. Um, and I thought it was in, one of the most interesting interesting things he said was that Nolan Hickman was like actively recruiting him, that they're friends, that they think they can play together, that Cal – I've now heard this from multiple people too, that like Cal is out there telling all these guys that he's interested in in the backcourt, like I'm playing three guards, you know, and we're going to play four out. And so he's at least selling that, and he's trying to get the roster to do it. You know, you ha- you do have to have the roster to do it. I mean, and, and we wanted them to play a little differently last year, and they could have, but they didn't really have the roster to, like, to really play wide-open modern basketball. Because, like, how many shooters did they actually have? Or makers, anyway. <laughs> Not very many. Yeah. Um, so it seems like he's trying to assemble the talent to do it. Um, I think if they get Ty Ty Washington, that's it for point guards. Um, but I think you – you could definitely see a scenario where they take Ty Ty and they take like Adam uh, Miller. Miller, yeah, I was gonna say Smith, like one of those like totally standard <laughs> names, yeah, like yours, Sean. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could see that, and like that, that feels like it would also be kind of like a dream scenario for them because then you do you get another like proven college guy. I think a guy who can really get buckets. It's crazy that a dude who started every game for a top five team as a freshman was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> but he obviously wants something else. Um, I do think they'll probably still add two guys in the backcourt. A hundred percent will if Davion Mintz doesn't come back. Um, I think if Mintz comes back, you ought to stand pat just so you don't deal with, like, the crowd and, and guys being pissed off. I think you'd have a perfect number of people if you're adding Nolan Hickman, Ty Ty, or a transfer point guard, um, Kellen Grady, with Davion Mintz and, and um, Dante Allen back. Like, that's enough. But if Mintz leaves, I think they'd probably still add another transfer guy. And on that note, obviously, Keon Brooks still has to make a decision. We haven't heard anything on that. Davion Mintz. And I know you've spoken with Isaiah Jackson's father, too, and you know detailed that in a story on The Athletic. Where did those three situations stand right now? And are you surprised that maybe Mintz or Brooks hasn't made a decision to this point? Not really. I mean, I know why Kentucky fans want them to, but like for them, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if I was, if I was Keon Brooks and I guess to some extent, Davion Mintz, but especially Keon Brooks, like I wouldn't do anything <laughs> until I knew Cal was done. Um, until I knew what everybody was doing. Like I'm surely not coming back. If Isaiah Jackson surprises everybody and comes back. Like if you're, if you're Keon, and they they add like three more guards, and 
Isaiah's back and Damian Collins is here and Oscar is here and Lance is here and Jacob Toppin is here. Like, where are you in the mix? Like, you, where is he going to fit? I like, and I, and I like Keon a lot. And I, I think, I think if, if he leaves for anything other than Isaiah Jackson coming back, like at that point, I don't know that you can fault anybody involved, like Kentucky or him or anybody. Like if Isaiah Jackson comes back, you just go like, well, crap. <laughs> like, uh, you know, a lottery pick is there in my way. Oscar's obviously going to play the five. You know, there's not a spot for me. But if, like, they're still if, – if they are still out there really recruiting big men and they add another guy and then Keon leaves, I would be furious if I was Kentucky fans. <laughs> and Keon, because it's like – he is the kind of player you should try to keep. You know, he's smart. He's thoughtful. He's a hard worker. He wants to, you know, he wants to be here. He wants to be a leader, you know, like good human being. He's come up big for you in some big games. Like have that guy be a junior if at all possible. Um, but the only other side of that coin is if the re- if, if the reason he leaves is because Isaiah Jackson comes back, then everybody just goes, hey, let's shake hands. <laughs> Didn't work out. Enjoy Indiana. <laughs> you know, uh, print the 40 and 0 t-shirts. Not really, but I mean, good Lord, if they have Isaiah Jackson back. And, yeah. and if they are going to play three guards together, then it kind of moves Keon just to the four. With Jacob Todd. That's what, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like if Cal's out there telling everybody I'm playing three guards. Then Keon is a four, and already, you know, you've got Jacob Toppin, you've got Damian Collins, who is an alien. I mean, he and he and Isaiah are like from the same planet, and it's not Earth. And you know, so I got like it's already crowded at the four. Russ Hopkins is there too. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not factoring him in. Like, I, I just. If Keon can't beat out Bryce Hopkins yeah. as a freshman when he's a junior, <laughs> then he needs to transfer like down a level. Um, and that's I'm not like trying to disparage Bryce Hopkins. I just like I don't. My expectations for him are not like come in and be like mega contributor. Not with what they ha- not with the other pieces they have. Yeah. With what we do know about the roster, we just named off a lot of those names. Is, is there anyone? Maybe you could see having a breakout year. Yeah. Things like that. On the roster right now? That we know about, yeah. Devin Ass? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> uh, he's not leaving. Definitely not. Um, that was weird, right? Like Texas? Didn't that see that weird. coming. Is he uh, a Chris Beard kind of player? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I thought. I, I think it'll be a train wreck. Yeah. But I might be, I mean, I might be wrong. I think it'll be a train wreck. Um, We'll see. I, more than anything, I was just, like, surprised that, like, I mean, Texas has got, like, this juggernaut recruiting staff. They're going to be getting crazy players. And I was surprised that Texas wanted Devin Askew. Um, but, we'll, you know, we'll see. I, <laughs> who could be a breakout player? Uh, hmm. Dante? I mean, to me – and I was one of those people, like, 
all along about Dante saying, like, everybody pump the brakes. Like, let's take some pressure off this kid. It's not fair that everybody is like, play Dante. Dante's a savior. Like, he's somewhere in the middle of what, like, the crazed fans who are obsessed with Dante think he is and what Cal thought he was. Because clearly Cal was wrong to some extent. Like, if Cal thought he was a dude who could make seven threes in a game, he would have played him. He definitely didn't think he was that guy. I mean, but Cal wasn't wrong that he can't play defense and doesn't know what, what he's doing out there. Like, he was lost a lot. And he is not a good defender. But he's somewhere in the middle. Like, he's not. he wasn't the savior. He wasn't the guy that deserved no playing time. Like a typical freshman. What's that? Like a typical freshman. Right. I mean, yeah, right. Like, wow, he's like a normal first-year player who's like a pretty good recruit. Um. So, like, I don't, I don't know. There's just a lot we don't know about Dante, right? Like, if if Cal didn't understand what he had, watching him for like a year and a half, then what what do any of us know about him? You know, like, there's probably a lot in there that we still don't know. Like, what is his aptitude to like learn and grow after really getting out there and getting some real minutes in games? I would certainly think he has like total confidence now which I think was like up and down during the season, but like you've got these like two, it's only two games, but you've got these like two ridiculous performances under your belt. One of them being the last time you played in a game that say, I can do that. Like I can do this against SEC competition. It's just like, can he, how much can he grow defensively? How much of like his body was not fully, there for for like two reasons that whole it took him forever to get well from his injury the first year he's at Kentucky and then he like goes into like the off season the summer preseason all where you would like in a normal year get right and probably wasn't able to get right to the full extent because of all the different protocols and everything and we don't we have no idea like how much he or others were like in or out of practice with COVID stuff because that was all kept like pretty close to the vest. So I'd say that was like a really promising start for him that if he can make like a real significant leap in like any area other than shooting the ball, like really any area, just like show Cal I can do one more thing really well or much better than I did it last year then he feels like the guy, but just because, like, I don't know any – I don't know if Keon be, bra- be back. I don't know how much better Davion Mintz can be than he was by the end of the year. Like, he was their best player. And if he came back, I think he would probably take a step back and roll, something else he'll also be considering. Like, there are other options now. So, I'm, I guess, for me, it would probably be Dante, unless you count Oscar. And then Oscar, like, I mean, he's going to go from a practice dude to being their starting center. Last question I have for you. Obviously, they got started in the transfer portal early with Oscar Sheboy, who we did talk to yesterday, and then Kellen Grady this spring. Just what do you think about those two additions to the roster as the starting pieces to get this thing moving in the right direction? Yeah, it's <laughs> it, there aren't a lot of places in the country that will have added pieces like that. Like a former McDonald's All-American who's a – grown ass man <laughs> in the paint, like a proven big 12 double, double guy with, you know, blue chip pedigree to start with a, a, you know, legitimate professional aspirations who's played two years or a year and a half in college. Like that's one. 
And then you add a guy who's played 4,000 minutes and scored 2,000 points in college and made like 200 and I think it's 263s he's made in college at a decent clip. Those are, those are, you know, plug and play starters that you've added that have like, that are, that aren't going to be this, this huge mystery. Like Kellen Grady, Kellen Grady has taken like a little bit of a step up in competition, but he's played plenty of games against those teams and just like the body, I mean, four years of averaging 17 points in Division One, I think we'll we can pretty much extrapolate what he's going to be at Kentucky. I think we pretty much know what we're going to see from Oscar Shibway. And then you know you bring in a potential freak in, in Damian Collins, and if you address your point guard needs, whether it be through you know Ty Ty or or a, another transfer, I I think they have a good chance to make a major <laughs> improvement. Like they're going to probably be like one way or the other. They're going to be like, you know, when you do the like most improved win totals or whatever in college basketball, it would be pretty shocking if they don't, if they aren't like number one in that next year, even if they aren't a great team, like you're going to go from nine wins to 20 plus wins next season. I think just by virtue of having like a normal year too, you add some good players you have a normal preseason. You have all your BS gimme games and your exhibitions to kind of like sort some stuff out. They'll at least be a good team next year. I don't know if they'll be great. That's what that's what everybody hopes, you know, and is trying to figure out. I don't that part I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, nine wins, even yeah. You can't see many teams going plus double digits. Yeah, I mean, you're like, who's going to add plus 12 (laughs) wins? Like, surely Kentucky will win 20 games next year, I would think. Last question I have is kind of about, I guess, perception of just kind of the overall program. Because obviously since Cal's been here, the whole marketing of the program mostly has been based on one and done. NBA guys, top recruiting classes, they never finished below second uh, nationally on 24-7 in the composite rankings. Kyle, if you look at it now, as of today, with Brandon Huntley Hatfield committing to Tennessee, reclassifying, Kentucky's going to have the third-ranked class this year in the SEC. And if I think if Ty Washington commits, that might they might be able to get back above uh, either Alabama or Tennessee. I've not done the calculator yet on that. I guess my question would be, do you see a shift coming? Because if Cal's going to go to this philosophy where they recruit four high schoolers a year, but try to fill out the roster with, with transfers for the other parts of it. I mean, I think it's somewhat realistic. They might not have a top class again, unless you just, you know, lend four five-star kids, which they haven't really done much here lately. So do you think that's um, yeah. accurate or? Yeah, I think that's right. And I, But I, some of it will depend on what the services do. Yeah. Because I, I do think with what's happening in transfers, it, it's logical to start counting transfers in a recruiting class like like if you're um if you're putting together like what Kentucky's actually bringing in and you put Oscar Shibway and Kellen Grady um you know and just I'm trying to think like there have been so many names added since those guys transferred but if you were just putting together a list of guys who've like swapped schools those are what both top 15 top 20 players like additions Plus, you know, a top 10 high school player in Damian Collins and, a you know, two top 35 guys in Hopkins and 
Um, Pickman and, and the other thing about Ty Ty is he's going to be a five-star. I think I mean, he could be like a top 20 player by the time it's done. So if you get him, that juices you. Um, but, yeah, I think like to the spirit of what you're saying, it, it seems like it's like a, a, a very significant shift. And there, like Cal still wants to get if I'm if I'm him I'm trying to get like two of the top ten guys like that I know like if I'm taking a freshman I want it to be one or two guys that have a chance to really be instant game changer like lottery pick guys I might take one more like a third high school guy who I, who like I'm establishing with him in the recruiting process like you're not a one and done you are. I'm I'm recruiting you to develop you. I'm not playing you next year. Like you, you know, like I do think there's going to have to be more honesty in the process for everybody. If you if everybody can just transfer and you're BSing these guys, like what's the point of that? Yeah. Like if you know a guy's developmental and you take him and tell him he's not, then you're never going to develop him anyway because he's going to know you lied to him and be gone before he you know he unpacks his bag. So. I think that is probably where it's going. Like Cal's going to try to get one or two elite freshmen, take one that he's telling on the front end, like come, stay, grow. Here's what we, here's our vision we have for you in the long term. And then he's, I think he's just going to be done with, especially after this year, last year. Like I think he's done with the crapshoot of a half dozen teenagers, hoping that four of them hit. <laughs> like. Because they aren't. Because the pool of those elite guys is getting depleted every single day by the G League, by other programs that have stepped up their game in one way or another. <laughs> As the FBI investigation solved absolutely nothing, <laughs> only emboldened people more. Um, you're just not. You're just probably not going to get as many of those guys anyway. Now they're not going to be that many available, and just in the pool and from like right off the top, you're probably taking out like 70% of those type of players before Kentucky even has a chance. So yeah, I do think that's going to happen. And why wouldn't you, if you're Cal, why wouldn't you welcome at this point? Like it's still the same idea that I think I can get, you know, my fair share of just about anybody I want, whatever the pool of players is high school. Now there's transfers. Why wouldn't you apply that logic to like, I'd rather go get, if I can have anybody I want, I want the guy that I've already seen play college basketball and succeed versus the high school kid. So I, it's, it's potentially like a massive shift. Like it's, it, it's like a complete altering of like Kentucky's DNA over the last 12 years. So it's going to be a fascinating time for sure. Oh, always great stuff from you. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can follow you. Uh, yeah, you can find me at The Athletic and on Twitter at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. Kyle, we greatly appreciate you taking some time to join us. And like you said in the opening, hopefully at some point we're back in a media room together where we can actually have conversation like it used to be. That's right. Derek's wedding. Yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> One month from the day. Matter of fact. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me, guys. Kyle.